Hello, this is the Tribe Stories, the curated sermons, conversations, and collections of poetry of the Tribe Lagos. The Tribe Lagos is a gospel expression based in the city of Lagos, committed to reaching the next generation with the message of God's love and grace. May this refresh and revive you as you listen. Amen. Title I was given by the leadership of this church is the prophetic generation. Let's turn our Bibles to John chapter 4, verse 35, and let's start there this morning. Holy Spirit, we need your help. Say you not, there are yet four months, then comes harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look to the fields, for they are already white unto the harvest. John chapter 4, verse 5. You know, harvest is something we don't talk about much in, in a young church. So harvest is a time when everybody, you know, brought something to give thanks to God for the end of the year. These things mess with our, with our theology, right? Because when you hear the word harvest in the Bible, all of a sudden you think about that thing. You know, the bazaar. Yeah. <laughs> so Jesus said, say not for months, then comes the harvest. Do not say in four months time, there's going to be a harvest. It says, Behold, I say to you, look upon the fields, they are already white under the harvest. Look, they are already white under the harvest. Someone said the difference between corn and tares, wheat and tares, you know, they all grow with ears, so the seed stands on the head of wheat. How I many of you know millet? You grow up in the north. You know millet. That those things, brown seeds, right? Is there another name for them? What what's other name do you call those things? Um, yeah, that's where you make fura from make fura from, from millet. Those things grow on the ear of a tall stem. So it's the same way wheat is. Wheat is smaller though. It grows in the field. So if you drive through the countryside in Scotland or anywhere in Europe, you see or even Germany, you see fields of wheat. The Bible says, let the wheat and the tares both grow until the harvest. And this is how you know the difference between wheat and tares. Wheat actually are like seeds, while tares are empty shells. So at the time of growing, all of them look the same. They are all flourishing. So the wheat is flourishing, the tears is flourishing. But when the harvest time comes, something differentiates the wheat from the tears. The, the wheat is so full of seed that the ear bends. The tears have nothing. So the tears standing straight. So the harvester knows the difference between this, the wheat and the tears at the time of the harvest. Which is why Jesus gave this parable. A man planted 
a field. And all of a sudden, when he woke up in the morning, tears was growing in this field that he had planted. And then he said, how did this happen? He said, while men slept, an enemy went there and planted tares. Should we remove the tares now? Jesus said, no, let them all grow until the harvest. Let the wheat, let the fake and the authentic grow together in the church. Let the people who are seeking God and the people who are just joking around with church grow together until the harvest. Let the people who are serious about God and the people who are just playing games, let them grow together until the harvest. So Jesus said, don't say four months. The harvest is now. It's time. It's time. It's time for the harvest. When you see distress upon the nations, it's time for the harvest. When countries don't know what to do, it's time for the harvest. When nations implode from within, it's time for the harvest. When the poor become poorer and men cry for a morsel of bread, it's time for the harvest. When you see people trying to become and try and try again and they can arrive, it's time for the harvest. When people set their lives to achieve something and their lives end up with emptiness, it's time for the harvest. The truly life today, let's be honest, life for many people is empty. Like Pastor Fede was talking about the gram, we now entered into a world of posturing. You know, we posture, we fine-tune, we shape. Yeah. We, we shape the perception of what we're like. Do you know the most powerful thing is to break it down today? Is to break it down. Just break it down. Do you know I have Hugo Boss suits? I have Prada shoes. I can, I can wear. But every time I want to speak, I want to break it down. It's not about the suit of the pastor. It's not about the clothes anymore. It's not about the fashion. There is nothing there anymore. Because people have it all. And those things do not satisfy. Solomon said, let me save you the trip. I've gone to the end. The Bible says Solomon was the richest man of all. In today's world, the measured the wealth of Solomon is richer than the richest, the richest sheikhs of Brunei and all of those shahs. is richer than them. Solomon is richer than all of them. Solomon says, let me see the trip. Vanity of vanity. Everything is vanity. Someone say, let me get the vanity first. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> the man who has reached the end say, there is nothing there. <laughs> nothing there is the chasing of the wind when wealth grows the people who eat them grows if you doubt check last weekend Friday who are the eaters of the food and the dancers and the, and the wine bibers when wealth grows the people who eat them grow let's read another scripture again 
I'm building, I'm building. Please go with me, go with me. Matthew chapter 9 verse 36. Ma- Matthew 9, 36 to 38. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray you therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that will send forth laborers into his harvest. If you look right now, Jesus in his time just took his eyes on the big vision, the multitudes of people who sat down. And you just see the hopelessness in their lives. Do you know when God can x-ray your spirit and see what you're, what you're about and know that this life is amounting to nothing? You know, that's what it was like. They were like sheep having no shepherd. Can I ask you, if you're going to compare that to the body of Christ today, do we have shepherds? We have people who have names that are shepherds. We have people who care for the sheep. There are, but are not the obvious ones, you know. Actually, if Jesus was to look at the body of Christ in Nigeria, this same thing will happen. He will be full of compassion because they are scattered abroad. One day, somebody will come and say something. Or one day, they will say, doctrine. Every one of you should come with comb to the church. Come with comb. Comb your head to the back. That's to come away your troubles. Come your head to the front. Come progress. People come to church with bottles of oil. Don't forget, anointing is real. Come to church with bottles of oil. And they put their faith more in the oil. And in the God who activates, who gave oil as a symbol. See, this is hot oil. If this oil touches you, hot oil. The things people do, not the names of the churches, let's not even go there. You know, how many of you know the names of recent churches like Let's not go there. The harvest is plenteous. Laborers are few. We don't like the word laborers. If you notice all modern translations change that word laborers to workers. Exactly not workers. Actually laborers. For you to work in God's vineyard you must labor at it. You must work at it. You must strengthen yourself at it. You must be adept at it. You must be rigorous at it. For us to have a good community here, for this tribe to be the tribe of God, we must bring out something more than what we're doing right now. For us to flourish in God, for us to break into the life of God that he wants, we must change something about what we're doing right now. Even though we're a disruptive church, we have to disrupt ourselves. I'm sure some of you are not hearing 
God is looking for a people who have his kind of mind. Jesus is looking for a church who have this kind of perspective. Who understand that they are not from this earth. Who know that even though the harvest is plenteous. That the Lord of the harvest is the one to activate lives. To open up minds and to send forth laborers. He says, therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest. And I want us to, this is the prayer meeting we did last night. I want us to pray that prayer right now. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers. The extent of the problem is massive. Young people are dying. Suicides are everywhere. Hopelessness is in the increase. Men hurt. Young people hurt. Old people are in trouble. Families are breaking up. Everything is imploding. We have a beautiful cocoon of a rose until it's torn apart. People are crying in the nation. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers. He will send forth people to raise up the nation. That's what Jesus says. What does this mean? What does this mean? Okay, can we have a conversation? You want to contribute? Can I have five minutes extra for that? Yes, yes, let's talk. What does laborers, sending for laborers, the, the fields are white, and what does the, all these things mean? Pray the Lord of the harvest. What does it mean? Who understands what this thing means? Don't, don't, there are no wrong answers. Don't be afraid. Yeah. So let me choose the people. Yeah. What does it mean? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I think sending for laborers are like sending for the people who are willing. It's all about the willingness to work for something or for a greater purpose. Okay. Thank you. But how many of you understand what the fields are what in the harvest means in literal sense. Because we're not talking about cassava or grass now. Do you, do you understand what it means? Okay. The field is actually symbolic of souls. Yeah. And laborers are the people of God. We, who God is actually sending for that. But the, the, what I pick from this scripture is that the problem is not the souls. The souls have been ready. Right. The work is actually the preparation of the laborers and right. the equipping of the laborers to be able to um, harvest. Right. So good. The term laborers is menial. Right. It's not glorified. Right. It's not cute. Right. It's not. That's exactly what I was trying to yes, say, but I struggled cute. with it, which is why I wanted to ask yes, the conversation. Yes, it's not cute. Right. It's not actually. Um, it's yeah. not email marketing. Right. It's not um, DMs. Hmm. It's a lot more than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, who else understands what laborers mean? Yeah. So, what does it involve to labor with people? In the reality. Let's say somebody was going to go through your life with you. What does it mean? What, yeah. It's not easy. Right. For one. Because laborers are not like your average white collar workers. Right. Because you have to be willing. You know that this thing you want to do, you want to do it with all your effort. Like your life depends on it. If right. you don't do this thing, you you know, like an average laborer, 
goes to, let's say Brickley, I want to go to work, he knows that there's no other thing that would sustain him than this thing he wants to do. So he does his work with everything he has. At the end of the day, whether it's 100 naira, mm. he knows that from that work, he's he able to achieve something. Mm. Like the greater good is going to come out from that hard work. Yeah, that's good. So you're talking from the perspective of uh, the laborer, but I actually want to talk from the perspective of the work that is needed. If you're going to be the recipient of the work, what does it mean to you to have a laborer stand with you in your life, for example? Well, I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to say something with respect to um, the menial nature of um, a laborer. It shows that you don't need to have a PhD to be a right, laborer. Right. You don't need to be skilled since it's a low-skill right. job. Just come out willing. So far as you are willing, you are satisfied and ready to enter the harvest. He will train those who he makes available. Yeah. Um, in terms of what you were talking about, who a laborer is and how a laborer works with people mm. in their lives, um, I'm going to use an example of there's this Zimbabwe billionaire. He's called Strive Masiwe. Masi- yeah, yeah, the yeah. founder of Econet. Yeah. Um, so I listened to Strive's testimony one day, and Strive said that um, he had people who prayed and fasted with him. This might sound very crazy, but mm. every single step Strife has taken in his life to get to $1.3 billion is a message from God every single day. Now, he constantly has people who suffer with him. Right. Not suffering literally, but I've been through fasting. I've tried doing dry fasting, but like, <laughs> it wasn't easy at all. And even, I'll use myself as an example. In my life right now, I have friends I can count on my hands. Right. That we suffer together. Right. We suffer this. That's exactly where I was going to. We suffer this right. um, young Christian life where right. Right. You're, you're in between just being young right. and living your life. I mean, sometimes I just scroll through Twitter and then I <laughs> saw one girl tweeting one day that I'm supposed to be living my whole life right now. I'm just like, so there's a struggle. Right. And then I've come to realize that the devil naturally understands that your life is at its peak when you are from 16 to, let's just say, 35. Because mm. at 35, you're, max, you're maxing out. You're maxing out. It's time yeah. to start. Some people here will not be very happy with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at 35, you're maxing out. So. It's at that period where your fire is burning bright. Right. And there is a suffering. It is very, very difficult. You're struggling between Friday night. Someone's calling you and telling you, let's go out. <laughs> I'm paying for the drinks. Right. Don't worry. And you're just like, oh, yeah. Don't worry, I'm tired. I just right. need to sleep. <laughs> I, I need to sleep. You can't quite even tell them like, like, you, <coughs> I'm yeah. not masking. Mark, is it what's, what's the word? Not. I'm older than that. I don't care what it is. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I, but, I, I, um, I just knew that that was sensitive. No, I have to throw that shit. <laughs> right. <laughs> but um, really, you know, thinking about the labor, the harvest, I think that, you know, um, so I'll go with what has been talked about a lot suicide and all that. And I'll, and I'll use that as an example. Um, I think that we are. 
there's a way and there's a path. It's straight and narrow. That's the only way. So if you're talking to someone who's going through, you know, who's having bouts of depression, like pray, the Lord will do it. And you are not asking, what do you need? That's how to be a laborer. You know, telling yourself that there's no one rule to it. So, and I'll give um, an example. A friend of mine had, you know, some friend who had crazy, and she's very spiritual. Now, my friend is very spiritual, knows exactly what to do. And this friend is shutting her out, and she knows that they need each other. But she can't get to her because she's been shut out. And I told her, ask her, what do you need? That's all. And when she did, that was what broke it, broke it all. You know, they, she cried and she was like, I just need a hug. You know, and that simple, it wasn't the scriptures. My friend obviously had been praying for her, but it was just that hug, that simple. Sometimes the issues are, are big, but they, they are big, but they need very small fixes. They don't need you to, okay, Christian, you know what to do. Come on, pray. No. They are not in the space to pray at that time. That's why you are there. That's why you are laboring with them. So good. So good. Um, the part of laborers, I think it's more of those who deal with crude. So I see that it's different from the white collar that we know. Right. Yeah. And then you could sit in an office and say, okay, you know what, we're going to take over Lagos, Abuja, mm. and all of that. And you look at the documents and you right. have the plan. But then there are certain people who get their hands dirty. Right. Going to so, take the road. Yes, there are people who go down into those gutters and mm. get it done. There are, there are people who work at, who work in Lekki, and then they work at Elegushi, mm-hmm. and then they work on the real part that deals with the water. Right, right. You know, so that's my own view of um, laborers. what laborers actually do. Thank deal you. with crude. Thank you so much. Okay, that's all we have time for now. I think we've got, we got a measure of traction. So, when you hear the term laborers, is actually the process by which you plant yourself in people's lives up to a point in time when God's work is done in their lives. When you hear the term laborers, it means standing with brothers and sisters, like he said, getting the dirty job done. Because human life is grimy. When you go into a human life, you're going to find times of suicide. You're going to find times when the boy is sleeping with a girl he shouldn't be sleeping with. You're going to find time of pornography habits. You're going to find time of small white lies. You're going to find times of character defects. And these character defects will mean that you have to shine the light there. And I can tell you, this is the time when it gets hard. When it gets hard is when you are able to break into the lives of people. So I like the spirituality of last week and what Pastor Easy shared. We need that. But we now need the practicality of how this is going to work. How is it going to work? It's going to work by people reaching out beyond themselves. The first thing you're going to do when you come to God is to offer yourself to God, not as a king, not as a prince, but as what? A laborer. The Bible says when you've done your best, you should say, I am an unprofitable servant. I've heard people call men of God generals for God. In God's army, God is the general. 
So, how can the man be general for God, who is the commander of his army, when we say Jesus leads out his army? How is that man a general for Jesus? The Bible says when you've done everything, you should come to God and say, I'm an unprofitable servant. And you've done your best for God. Do you know what a privilege it means that we're made? Now, this does not destroy the fact that God loves us. In fact, it's a son who understands his father that rolls up his sleeve and takes on the nature of a servant. Remember, Jesus, who was God, did not think it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, brought himself down. You think Jesus was loved by God? Oh, man, you think Jesus was special to God? But Jesus knew that the only way he can bring about redemption Redemption is bought. Redemption is never given for free. If you want to redeem people, you must buy them. And I'm sure Dozi and Hodovai know what redemption was this week, right? Are you going to try a group, right? And promise is here today. That's promise there. That guy walking on the streets was just taken. He didn't do anything, just taken up among, among some people and taken to prison. From one prison to the other. Last, last, they found him in Badagri. I was going on prison talk. <laughs> Doing nothing. To get him out was a labor of love. He had to take some people some two, three, four whole days of their time. The work of following people and working in people's life and establishing is dirty. He said, Lord, do you know sometimes you, you may not even feel like a laborer. The first thing you want to do is to check out of that laborership. That's why the Bible says the laborers of you, our job is to pray the Lord of the harvest. This morning, I want us to pray that we are the laborers. That's the first prayer point. I want us to pray. Let's pray that prayer right now. Say, God, I want to enlist in your army as a laborer. I know that the work is plenty. I know that you love me. That's not in doubt, oh God. I'm special to you. That's not in doubt. I am your son. I'm your daughter. That's not in doubt, oh God. But Lord, give me the strength. Give me the resolve. Give me the faithfulness, oh God, to labor with you. Until the earth is transformed. Until the environment around me is changed. Give me the honor of participation, oh God. And I will participate in your works on the earth, oh God. To take the list of the bread and the broken of the earth. And to shape them after your mind. Oh God, and after your character, oh God. Lord God, I ask, oh God, that I will be that man. I will be that woman, oh God, who stands with you as you see compassion on the lost, oh God, on the broken, on the hurting, oh God. I will be the people, oh God. Father, make us the people, oh God. Make us that generation, oh God, that carries your mind and carries your heart to the least of us. Let's pray together. Pray. Lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. Lift up. Stop. Guys. This is not a quiet prayer. Wait, wait. Stop, stop. Everyone, stop. Lift up your heads. It's not a quiet prayer. It's not a prayer of devotion. No, it's not. It's a prayer of declaration. 
You say, God, I will be that laborer. You can open, you can open your eyes and lift up your hands to heaven. Just lift up your hands. Let's do it. Lift up your heads. Lift up your eyes. Say, God, I will be that laborer to you. Enable me. You know my nature. You know how I am. I am weak. I don't feel like I have what it takes. I don't feel like I can stand. I don't feel like I can make the price, oh God. But Lord, I offer myself. Could you use me? Could you make me that vessel? Could you make me an instrument of righteousness unto you? Lord God, I, I know that you're looking for a man. And here I am, oh God. Work in my heart, oh God. Take away my selfishness, oh God. Take away my need to satisfy myself first, oh God. Take away my urge to fill my needs, oh God. Take away my urge, oh God, to be greatest among people, oh God. Make me the least, oh God. But not for myself and not for the earth, but for your glory, oh God. That through my hands, healing will be brought, oh God. That through my hands, miracles will be worth, oh God. That through my hands, power will be brought forth, oh God. I want to stand with you as you're looking for men on earth, oh God. That your glory will be downloaded into my life and I will carry the nature of my God who doesn't think about how dirty it is, who doesn't think about how far gone we are. He labors to redeem even the very one who is lost, oh God. We stand with you today, oh God, as your holy tribe, oh God, that we are the ones who labor until men find righteousness, until women are redeemed, oh God, until boys and girls are shut back from the pit of hell. We receive the power, oh God, to walk with you and to be profound, oh God, and to make our lives count, oh God, the praise and the glory of your name. That's our heart cry in this company, oh God. Save us from empty Christianity that warm the pews. Save us from dry life, oh God, that doesn't change anyone. Save us from Christianity that doesn't even change ourselves, oh God. Save men, save boys from feeling cool when they have no power to change nobody, oh God. Save girls, oh God, from feeling beloved, oh God, when they have no strength in the spirit, oh God. My God, discomfort our comfort zone, oh God. My God, shift us, oh God, beyond the place of our comfort, oh God. Where we come into the place where your grace is and we see your power flow, oh God save us from dead religion and going to church oh god and plant your word in our spirit amen amen psalm psalm 139 as we begin to tidy up round up in 10 minutes i give thanks psalm 90 139 verse 14 i give thanks to you for i am fearfully and wonderfully made. Let's read this together. One to go. Praise you. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. And that my soul knows it well. Verse 15. My substance was not hid from thee. When I was made in secret. And curiously wrought in the lowest part of the earth. 16. Your eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in all thy books, all my members were written, which, is a, which in continuance was fashioned, as yet there was none of them. Verse 17. How precious also are your thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. When we read this scripture, I think it's verse, verse 14 we love. 
I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You know that's what we think. We read that scripture and what we say. Motivational speakers, they tell you, oh, yeah, you're beautiful. <laughs> this is not what God meant. Your beauty is not what God is talking about. You know, there are three types of beauty we can, we can, we can see. We're not fearfully and wonderfully made by cosmetics. We're not beautiful for pride. You know, we're not beautiful by our body function so we can see our muscle and how what of a stud we are, how many cheeks we can roll. We're not beautiful for our mind to be so beautiful. How many of you say like, you know, I'm sapiosexual? Have you heard that before? Oh yeah, I'm in love with people who have a beautiful mind. So, my romanticism has to do with people who are sort of cerebral. This is what we worship. We are not fearfully and wonderfully made in our origin. Some people say, I'm a Yoruba man. You know how God specially make Yoruba? An Igbo man says like, well, if you want wisdom, you have to come to the Igbos. Give it to the Igbos. Industrial. Industrials. <laughs> when we read this scripture guess what we're thinking about everything external but then you read on and you begin to see what God really says he says wonderful are your works works my soul knows it well my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrath in the depths of the earth. It means that before you came here, there was intelligence about how you were created. That, that earth is not where you were made. That you were made somewhere. That there was a lab that fashioned you. That there was innovation around your create. You know, how many of you, you know, some people say, like, you know, when you want to boast about your sister's birthday, you say that, you know, God took extra time when he was making this one because they're so pretty. Sisters are looking at each other now. <laughs> That's not what it means. What it means is that purpose was in the heart of God. What it means that the agency of change was in the heart of God. What it means was the power to make things different was in the heart of God. That we are fearful in our origin. That our mission on earth is awesome. That the depth of the mystery of the God who lavishes power on his creation is manifest in us. That God was thinking about these beings who will co-partner with him. Wonderful are your works. Awesome in creation is the power of a God who is working with humanity. And a God in heaven will come down and look upon us ordinary people and begin to participate in our lives. This is what God means. This is what the scripture means. That you're fearfully and wonderfully made. That your purpose is fearful. That what you're here to do is awesome. 
that the power God has wrought inside of you is not ordinary. I know some of you have started taking yourself on serious. I know some of you have started marking yourself down. But in God's idea of who you are, it's not in the clothes, it's not in the mind, it's not in the natural, in the spirit realm. God has carefully created you for this time. If you believe it, say amen. Second to the last scriptures, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. It says, Rather, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed these things to us through who? His Spirit. Through the Spirit, the Spirit of God searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among you knows the thought of man except his Spirit within him? So too, no one knows the thought of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world to fear, but the Spirit ways of God, that we may understand what God has freely given to us. So, in the natural, we don't see this beauty. We don't hear about this beauty. We don't know this power that God has put in us. In the spiritual, we see it. So when people go through a hard time, when people go through depression, the prophetic people are the people who understand how to engage with the spiritual. The prophetic people are the ones who know how to see. God reveals these things to us through his spirit. The things that eyes have not seen. The things that ears have not heard. The things that have not entered the mind of anyone. In your natural mind, you can't figure out what God is doing in your life. But he begins to reveal these things to you through his spirit. His spirit begins to unlock to you. And if you receive that unlocking of the spirit, you become a prophetic person. The prophetic nature of God is not therefore about only telling the future. A prophetic generation therefore is not about a people who can tell about what's going to happen next. A prophetic people therefore is not only just an innovation people, not a people of innovativeness. Who can determine what technologies are coming next? That's not it only. It's like the things which cannot be seen on earth. Our spirits begin to catch them. Our minds begin to catch this broadcast. We begin to hear from God what life is about. I hope that this message is not lost on you guys. Are you hearing me this morning? Are you hearing? If you hear, say yes. Now, God is looking for the people who are going to come on this journey. We hope that from the church, we can draw some people to this place of a walk with God. The church is not the people of God. The Bible says the foundation of the Lord stands sure. The Lord knows those who are His. So let everyone who calls the name of God step aside from iniquity. As we are seated here now, God knows those whose hearts burn for him.
God knows those people whose, whose minds are open. God knows the people who cannot wait for us to finish so they can go eat rice. God knows the people who cannot endure one more word from this tiresome pastor. God knows the people who are, whose hearts are boiling and who are saying, yeah, that stuff I wanted. God knows. And he wants to draw us all in. He's hoping you hear him this morning. He's hoping you hear him this morning. He's hoping you draw in, you join in. And, and the things of God is to whoever wills, if you start today and say, Lord, from this moment, I begin, I'm serious. I make a pledge. I, I take my step forward. I march forward. Even from last week, I want to look for a practical way. Lord God, this is the time. If you, if you make up your mind right now, the Holy Spirit will begin to fall. The grace of God will begin to come. Are you not tired of doing church? Are you not tired of going to a building hoping you're going to find God there? This is the way. This is the way God. God is looking for a people. God is looking for a people. A prophetic generation. And it's not about one man. Do you know before now, like, like I shared, last time I shared here, I talked about the death of Billy Graham, meaning the end of the one-man ministry, the mighty man of God. Do you understand? Right now, if you look in the body of Christ, there's no more mighty man of God. Do you understand? There's no more mighty man of God. God is looking for boys of God, girls of God. God is looking for ordinary people, laborers for him. And upon these people, he will pour out his spirit. And when, so that the things that are done by them will not be something like I was a man of God. And you heard people say, if I be a man of God, let this happen. I feel like that order is dead. God is now bringing a new order of activation of the little, of activation of the small. And that is what he calls a generation of people. Who are prophetic. So we're not prophets to go around prophesying. Thus says the Lord, thus says the Lord. No. We are prophets to know what to do. We are prophets to engage the hour. We are prophets to, to ideate God's mind on the earth. We are prophets to stand with God. And anyone who enlists in this prophecy, anyone who understands what God is doing, has now joined the prophetic generation. So the prophetic is not about boasting about the power of God which you've gotten and the people you've healed. By God's grace, I have seen miracles done when I pray for people. So don't think that I'm talking that it's not miraculous. I was sharing with you guys the other day how I prayed for someone. Someone came to my office and said, I've been diagnosed with cancer. And as she said that, the compassion of God just hit my spirit. I held her and I started to pray decided to pray. We were crying. Just praying. Lord, will you have mercy upon this lady? Will you have mercy upon her? Just prayed. Sent her off. Two, three weeks later, I was on the beach. I got a phone call from the UK. Apparently, the doctor who diagnosed her was in the UK. And she went back to that doctor to do the surgery and to begin chemotherapy. They said, let them even check one more time. They did that check. And guess what? All the cancer was gone. But that's not what our boast is in. 
Remember in Luke chapter, in Luke, when the disciples had gone out and preached and they, they, they saw the devils fall down from heaven like lightning. Jesus says, rejoice not that you can do miracles. Rejoice that your name is written in the book of life. As we round up, Joel chapter 2 says, it shall come to pass after this. That I will pour out my spirit upon all mankind. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on your male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. That prophecy is still hanging. A prophetic company of people who prophesy. Of people who know God. And how many of them all of them. I will pour out my spirit upon how many? All of them. I will pour out my spirit upon how many? All of them. Young men. Yes, old men will see dream dreams. Young men will see visions. Even on servants. Even on the housemates you have. It's, this is that time. Believe me. This is that time when this prophecy will be done. We are that generation upon whom this prophecy will be accomplished. We are the prophetic generation. We are the people who God is counting on to bring his grace down. We are the ones who are supposed to have the power of God. We are the holy tribe of God. We are the prophetic generation. If you believe this, begin to pray for yourself. You can log on to thetribelagos.com or email us at hello at thetribelagos.com. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter on The Tribe Lagos. God bless.